the scene, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. Greetings and salutations, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Time for one more glorious edition of the Man in the Arena podcast. And of course, again, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Last time we did this as we're doing this format change. And I reached back and grabbed one of my good friends this week. Uh, He uh, and I hooked up when I went back to UT for grad school down there at WUTK. It's always great to have him here, the host of the Off the Bench show on WCDT Radio there in Franklin County. Please welcome Will Rab to the show. Will, how are you doing, buddy? Shibley, it is uh, good to uh, get to talk with you again. Uh, always enjoy it and uh, looking forward uh, to uh, having a chat with you. Yeah, it, again, this is changed it because I was like, one of these things where I kept getting this idea in my head where I was like, I know, and we talk about this because I've been a guest on your show many times. Glad to finally get you on mine. It, you know, we we talk and all those different things, but it's like there's so many, especially with podcasts where they go through and talk. And I was like, why don't we just talk about like stories? And sure, we'll do a little more of a deep dive into some of the things going on right now. But it's like everybody, especially getting into sports, truly has those sports stories and those moments and I love just hearing it from normal people because we hear all the time about everybody else talking about their great sports stories. But I like talking to my friends, even people now who don't like sports. They listen to the podcast because they like hearing me talk. And that's great. Love everybody who does that. But always wanted to have just these conversations. So, well, we always like starting off uh, these podcasts where I try to. It's like, what got you into sports? Like, what w- you know, mine, of course, my dad was a huge sports fan. So I just followed with with my dad liking Tennessee and all those other things. So w- where did you start with your sports? I, I think it's similar because I can't remember a time in my family where sports wasn't a part of it. Um uh, my parents are both big sports fans growing up in uh, Southeast uh, Louisiana. Although interestingly enough, they were Tennessee fans until their childhood friend, Ed Bebe Orgeron got the uh, job at LSU. And now <laughs> I think there may be bigger LSU fans than Tennessee fans. Also, no you know, doesn't hurt that, uh, also doesn't hurt that Tennessee's not all that well on the football field right now, but I, I just don't remember a time that sports wasn't in my life. My mom was a, or was a high school teacher, still teaches uh, in middle school. And uh, she was the, the cheerleading coach when I was younger, a couple different times. And so uh, Friday nights, we were at the football game or we were at the uh, basketball game. So I just don't honestly remember a time in my life that sports wasn't uh, a, a big part of it. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It's interesting being down there in Louisiana and being a Tennessee fan. That had to be really interesting uh, dealing with some of those LSU fans if you were wearing your orange out in public down there, I'm sure. Well, you know, I really didn't have to deal with too much of that as a kid because my parents had moved up here to Tennessee when they had me. Ah, okay. Yeah, so uh, it's weird because I've been born and raised in, in Tennessee my whole life. Obviously, I've spent a lot of time down there in Louisiana, worked down there for a few years Yeah, uh, in the sports media, but I didn't so much have to deal with that, but I, I, you know, I do understand where it's coming from because in, in the part of the state where I'm located, uh, we're on the border, like we're an hour's drive, maybe 45 minutes from the Alabama line, so it was dealing with all the Alabama fans, mm-hmm. although of course when I was a kid, they were a lot uh, quieter in the 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, prior to Nick Saban coming uh, and, and rescuing the tide. So yeah, we, uh, certainly interesting how that works when uh, you get a whole lot louder when your team's literally the best on the planet. Oh, yeah, especially Winchester, Tennessee, home of Philip Fulmer, if I remember correctly as well. The home to Philip Fulmer. And uh, Franklin County was, although he was born in Lynchburg, he went to school in Huntland, uh, Tennessee Johnny Majors yes uh, dad Shirley was the uh, head coach for many many years in the stadium's name for him 
down there in Huntland. So for a while, uh, Tennessee could, or Franklin County could claim both of the uh, Tennessee, the last two Tennessee uh, football coaches in the in the eighties and the nineties. So um, grew up with that. That was a cool experience when they won the national championship because, of course, the kicker on that national championship team was Jeff Hall, mm-hmm. who was uh, from Winchester. Uh, he's the reason most of the high schools in the state of Tennessee uh, had to make their uh, goalpost uh, taller because he could kick the ball so high the officials couldn't tell if it was in between the goalposts. So they got the NFL-style uh, uh, slingback goalpost over here because of that. And when, when they won a national championship, we had a parade all through the town, and, and Philip and Jeff came, and Bob Kessling emceed it. So, I mean, it was uh, pretty cool growing up uh, in the 90s uh, in Winchester, Tennessee, with the success that the, they had at the University of Tennessee and some of the you know unique opportunities uh, that presented with events that would happen uh, to celebrate that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Now, yeah, because when me growing up again, I was born in California, um, but my dad grew up in Dayton, Tennessee, down there in Ray County, home of Andy Kelly. Mm-hmm. He talked about early nineties, and but then we moved when I we moved in nineteen eighty nine. So I was six. We moved to Toledo, Ohio, up in that area. Oh, Lord. And and again, I spent all of elementary school up there. And again, the, up there, you're it's Big Ten country, obviously, up there. So you've got Michigan, Ohio State, and Notre Dame fans. Um, and I didn't care for any of them. Still really don't. Uh, so it, it was always really interesting because, again, I'd still wear my orange. Um, the, 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 the joke at least that I have in my own head, uh, hap- this started happening because I was up there when the miracle at South Bend happened. Mm. Um, for those of you who don't know, who've listened to this, Tennessee <laughs> had lost to Notre Dame in 1990 in Neyland Stadium. And of course, the the uh, kids then gave me so much crap already. And this is like first grade. And then 91, the year after that, I'm in second grade. I'm eight years old. And again... Tennessee's not predicted to really win the game. Jerome Bettis was a sophomore on that team. That's how long ago this was. Uh, Hall of Famer Jerome Bettis. But Tennessee falls behind 31-7 to at one point in the game in the first half. I mean, Notre Dame goes right down the field, scores first drive. Tennessee makes a long kickoff return because uh, uh, Notre Dame like fumbled the ball. And then Tennessee makes a long kickoff return to make up for it. But then Andy Kelly throws a pick six. It like So just right early in the game, it's 14-0. Tennessee falls way behind. Block a field goal right at the end of the game, or at the end of the half. And finally get back in the game a little bit. Tennessee crawls back. They're up by one point. Tennessee without, uh, Tennessee had hurt the kicker on that blocked kick. So... Notre Dame's got a replacement kicker out there, the backup kicker kicking. Jeremy Lincoln dives in front of him, blocks the ball literally with his butt because he dove so early. The ball ricochets off his butt. Tennessee blocks it. It's no good. Tennessee wins 35-34 on just an amazing comeback. And, of course, all of those Notre Dame uh, kids were not happy because it was obviously my fault they blew this lead at home. So, (laughs) I, I, you know, Go ahead, finish. Oh, I was going to say, they always, they tried to catch me, but again, I've always been quick. Like, I'm short, but I've always been fast. My joke was always, I had SEC elementary school speed, you know, over their Big Ten <laughs> speed. You talked about that. Yeah, you know, I think the miracle at South Bend might be one of my favorite sports moments that I, well, I was alive. I was born yeah. in, in the fall of 88, but one of those favorite sports moments that you didn't know about. Cause like a four, you know, it doesn't register with a four-year-old or, or yeah. most four-year-olds, but I, I think that's one of those favorites when you go back into the, uh, the ball network archives. And that was fun to do uh, during COVID. Um, the station I worked at is affiliated with several different radio networks and the things yeah. that they offered to us to fill time to, you know, to be able to, to, to run and, and, and have mm-hmm. there some sports content to sell. I, I think, that might be my favorite uh, Tennessee memory that I wasn't ex- actually, well, don't actually remember seeing in person, but going back and learn about the miracle at South Bend and, you know, just an all time iconic call uh, from, from John Ward yeah. uh, on that one. 
Well, yeah, because it's it's amazing because he and he readily admits how he blew the call when because he thought the field goal was good from where they saw because as he says on the broadcast talking to Bill Anderson. I thought the official put his hands up. The official had put his hands up to signal a block and he thought it was just good. And then he, <laughs> you can tell in his voice. Yeah. That is a call, but you know, he was so annoyed with himself because that's how John Ward was. He wanted to get everything right. And he was just an immortal voice. It was just a great moment. Yeah. And that is something that is so hard, so hard to do. Um, you know, just last night I was calling a softball game and, the game had gotten kind of out of hand, so uh, I was looking on the internet, and there's a an app from Dick's Sporting Goods that they made that uh, baseball and softball teams can use to it, – it's a scorebook app. And yeah. so we use it with the high school teams, and, and I'm set up there so I can see all their stats as they're scoring the game. So the softball game's out of hand, and uh, I'm trying to – do play-by-play of the baseball game that I'm watching on Game Changer because the team has the bases loaded in the bottom of the seventh, which is the equivalent of the bottom of the ninth in high school sports. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, three more runs score in my softball game, and they're up by the magic 10 runs after six, so everybody gets to go home. So I can sympathize uh, with John Ward because there's so many things that go on uh, in, in a broadcast, but you don't you know, obviously want to botch that moment at the end of the game, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, 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 to this, to this day, God rest his soul. I guarantee you that it, that eats up John Ward, that he kind of muffed the miracle at South Bend. Yeah. Ah, but it's all good because again, that's not what we remember. We truly remember that comeback and that was just a great moment. And it, it's just one of those things, especially where you hope more moments for Tennessee are on the way. Uh, of course, we talked. I've talked with uh, some of my uh, comedian buddies, Trey Pack, of course, who's done this show many times uh, about you know Josh Heupel, the new coach. It seems like things are going in an okay direction. Again, I'm just going to going into this season, the the expectations are pretty low, but I'm just going to sit back and hopefully just enjoy it and have some fun because I did not have fun last season. I'll tell you. I, I think the thing for uh, Coach Heupel is. If you're going to be bad, be entertaining, right? Yes. Like Ole Miss, whether it, I mean, it doesn't really matter who the coach has been at Ole Miss, but especially uh, Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin, right? They might be a dumpster fire, but a dumpster fire can be entertaining. Yes. The problem with Jeremy Pruitt, the problem with, with Derek Dooley, a problem with a lot of the uh, failures in the last, you know, decade plus of dysfunction. Mark Nagy's gonna have to write like another three books at this point. No kidding. Um, is they haven't necessarily been entertaining. Yeah, and it you know it wasn't entertaining at the end of Butch Jones because they were just wholly uncompetitive. But Butch Jones was entertaining the year that Lane Kiffin was in Knoxville, and I was there as a you know student reporter covering it for WUTK. That's uh, one of my favorite sports memories. Oh yeah. Um. It was entertaining. So that's what Josh Heupel has going for him is he could have an entertaining offense. And if you lose 40 to 35, okay, you still lost, but it's a whole lot better than trying to figure out, okay, how do we stay within four touchdowns of Alabama? Yeah. Now, Tennessee's probably still going to lose by 21 to Alabama, but the point is if you put up 35, 40 points a week, number one, it gives you a chance to win some games by sheer luck. You know, a guy blocks a kick with his butt or uh, there's an unexpected interception or, you know, that turnover on the first play of the game against Georgia last year actually means something. If Tennessee can put up some offense, if you got offense in, in modern sports, you give yourself a chance to to get that other part caught up. And if you're halfway average, on any given day, then maybe you get lucky and win a game or two. Yeah, and that's yeah the thing. If you can at least make, yeah, because those Josh Dobbs teams with Butch Jones, yeah, were definitely entertaining, and at least you were in it. Because sitting there and just watching games this fall, I mean, none of the games besides the South Carolina game, because at least that one went down to the wire, and that was the first game of the season. Everything else including the two wins we had after that against Missouri and Vanderbilt. Blowout. Nothing was interesting about any of them. It was just boring. Yeah, and that's the thing. Again, if number one, if you're entertaining, at least the fans are entertained. 
yeah. and people tune in because, hey, you know, it's like Pac-12 after dark or the fun belt or when you used to, you know, when Boise State was the big mid-major team. Maction. Okay, these two teams might be abject garbage, but if the score ends up being 59-58, are you not entertained again? Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing. So Tennessee will be entertaining. I also think that markets really well to recruits. Yep. And it's not the only part, but it's a big part of, hey, don't you want to come play in this exciting offense and so you show yourself off? So I, I think that'll help. I'm not sure if Josh Heupel can succeed at Tennessee because Tennessee fans be crazy. Yeah, uh, no kidding. And, and, and you know, the, the recruiting thing worries me a little bit. Will he get the defense figured out? He's so devoid of talent right now. Well, the the number one thing is I'm not sure if anybody will be patient enough with him yeah. uh, to succeed. But I do know this. I do agree with some folks who have said this in the Knoxville media market. You hired a good coach. Number one, you hired a tremendous AD. Dr. Danny White is brilliant. Yes. And number two, you hired a good football coach. When you hired Jeremy Pruitt, it, you you did not hire a good football coach, or at least you did not hire a good head football coach because he didn't have the experience to know that, hey, this is going to work yet. Yeah. And he fell on his face. And when you hired Derek Dooley, you didn't hire a good football coach. And you might have hired a decent coach when you hired Butch Jones, but you didn't hire somebody who had the personality to handle the SEC. So I, I think if Josh Heupel can handle the pressure, the fishbowl n- nature of, of Knoxville, Tennessee, because – they are all vault 24-7, 365. They might have mild interest in the NBA or mild interest in a Major League Baseball team, mild interest in hockey or NASCAR or whatever it is, but they eat, sleep, live, breathe Tennessee football 24-7, 365. So if he can handle that pressure, if he can bring in the talent required to be competitive in the SEC, I trust his scheme 1,000%. I do too, and again, I think he's fit for the environment because he played at Oklahoma. He won a national championship at Oklahoma. was runner-up to uh, the Heisman Trophy to, I believe, Chris Winkie. Um, So you have that, and then, of course, he's gone up the coaching ranks, played at Central Florida, where you're in, and again, in Orlando, you're in a football area. Now you're not the top dog in there, but you're still competitive and ready to go. So again, I, I have faith in him. I'm going to sit back, kick back and watch and be entertained, hopefully. And that's the frustrating thing because yeah, these people, they're so in this town and just Vol nation and everybody, they want to get back to that mountaintop, but sometimes you've got to be a little bit patient to do it and you know pun I guess intended with Alabama but the old adage how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time you know it's not going to be an overnight success to get to get to that mountaintop right now no Tennessee has got to figure out like it's it, it's been a decade since Tennessee's consistently been Auburn yeah and like Tennessee needs to figure out how to be Auburn under Gus Malzahn because the worst it was going to be is Gus Malzahn was going to win you about seven, eight games. Yeah. And every now and again, he was going to go out and win the Iron Bowl. So, like, Tennessee has to figure out how to beat Auburn. Yeah. Like, they're not, they're closer to Vanderbilt right now than they are to Auburn. Like, you yeah. got to be, it's going to take Josh Heupel three or four years to beat Auburn. And then once you get there, you have to figure out how to beat Alabama. And you're not going to do that till Nick Saban retires. So, yeah. like, no one does that. Yeah. No, no, nobody does that outside of like a rare year, like LSU cycled up once and it's going to take them another decade to cycle back up and be like that team that or a cheating Burrow. Yeah. Or a cheating Kirby smart. Man, he can, he didn't even, you know, he, he still ultimately came up short cause he didn't know what to do in the second half when they put into us. So yeah, that's true. Or not, I, I'm sorry, not a cheating Kirby smart. I'm sorry. Uh, Hugh freeze. I I'm so sorry. That's, that's what I'm, I meant. Hugh freeze and Ole miss. Well, you're, you're not yeah. off the mark there in Athens either. They just haven't yeah. come out yet. I, I know my buddy chase Dyer, who I'm going to have on this show. He's going to listen. He's going to get on me like nobody's business. He's a big Georgia fan, which is just, it's interesting being a Georgia fan in this town. 
uh, watching him <laughs> deal with all of that. I got a couple other friends who are big Georgia people, and it doesn't quite click with me. You know, I don't get but- the barking. Like I get it, but it's like you're doing it in my face. Like why? Why? This is before COVID too. I was like, why? Why are you in my face just barking? It just means more. Yeah, apparently, I guess. But you brought up a, a point earlier. You talk about a town like Tennessee, like Knoxville here, that lives, breathes Tennessee football twenty four seven. No matter what the basketball team's doing or how great the baseball team is right now. All that football always seems to be there. Spring practice gets more publicity than sometimes these big series like Tennessee's got with Vanderbilt coming up in baseball. Because you brought something up. You messaged me a little bit talking about how just obsessed everybody seems to be just with football, even in the media market. It was something to grind your gears. I wanted to give you the floor to talk about that. Yeah, it, it popped up because I was uh, I was listening to to one of the A to Z sports uh, podcasts, uh, the the primetime show that that Buck Rising does, which is really really good. Oh yeah, um, and, and just go check that out aznashville dot com, and they're on like Twitter and YouTube, like they you know turn uh, social media into a platform to basically distribute a radio show or a podcast. But I'll go back and listen to those kind of like show prep. Like I just like to listen to other people and see what they think is interesting and not necessarily parrot their opinion, but just kind of be in touch with what's vibing with people. Um, and so they were talking about the Predators yesterday because, you know, the Titans really haven't done much in the last few weeks. Like nothing's going to happen with the Titans until they have the draft and then the second round of free agency. Yep. And like people just don't care as much, even in April. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in uh knoxville with ut football whatever else it is i mean if you're still talking about tennessee and it's basketball season people aren't going to turn off let's just say the sports animal because that's the 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 top sports station in knoxville they're Mm -hmm. not going to turn off the sports animal because you're talking about tennessee basketball especially when tennessee basketball is good like they were last year Mm-hmm. And they're not even going to turn it off if you're talking to Tony Vitello because they're the number three team in the nation right now. But primarily what they want to hear is UT football. What's so frustrating to me is, and I understand, like, I guess I understand why the media gives into it, right? Like, I know 365 days a year, if there's actually something relevant to talk about regarding the Titans or the Vols, I have to do that on my show. If I can't come up with, if I need to fill a segment, then I need to go type in NFL mock draft and say, hey, you see what this latest mock draft is? Because people are entertained by that. But I also think we could be more rounded sports fans. And I'm not saying you actually have to care about anything. Because like, uh, aside from watching the uh, crazy Masters updates that that guy from Memphis does, Chris Vernon, yeah. I'm not big into the Masters. I'm not big into tennis. Like, I have my sports I like. I have my sports I don't like. I don't particularly care for the NBA. But, like, I just think we could be more well-rounded sports fans. And, like, especially when you have a team in the market, that's what frustrates me is I get that there's always going to be more Titans fans than Preds fans. But, like, that you can see it. You can measure the numbers, whether you're talking ratings on a radio show or streams or downloads or on a podcast, more people are going to download a podcast of two guys shooting the bull about who the Titans should pick at 22nd than, hey, do you know the hockey teams won 12 of their last 15 games and the trade deadline just passed and did the GM mess up because he really didn't do anything at the trade deadline? And, and that just frustrates me because I, like I, I like to be a well-rounded sports fan and I like to be a well-rounded sports host and I don't want to ignore the Predators or ignore the Braves or insert whatever team you want to talk about for 10 months and then oh hey they're in the conference championship game I guess I should talk about them now and act like I know what's going on so that's just always been frustrating to me and even in Knoxville like football's the 800 pound gorilla in the room right yep the Titans went to an AFC championship two years ago. Hardly any Titans discussion on the radio in Knoxville. And and that's a thing that frustrates uh, me, too. It's like, re- I, I get it. 
you know, it, a lot of mix because it's a college town and like you're a you're a 49ers fan. I'm a I, I'm a Saints fan. There's Cowboys fans. The Titans have never got an exact hold on East Tennessee, but like it's the, the teams in the state. You know, the the Predators are in the state. And in Knoxville, you can get an interview with the, and no offense to the Ice Bears, but beer league level minor league hockey team. Yeah, but I mean, that's what they are. They're not five minutes, they're, fi- they're not five minutes in a year about what the Predators do unless they go to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Um, the Braves are going to get talked about in Knoxville only when something awful, awful, but egregious happens like Sunday night, Austin bone, by the way, we're recording this at a uh, five central time on uh Tuesday, the fourth, the 13th of April. And Austin bone still hasn't touched the plate. That's when you'll talk about major league baseball at a place like Knoxville. So it's just frustrating to me. And like, I don't, I'm not as mad at the media. The, the, the cat, what we learned in college radio one-on-one is play the hits, right? Talk about what people want to talk about. Yep. I want more well-rounded sports fans to even if, hey, you're tuning in because you want some Titans news. If I give you if I give you in an hour, if I give you 20, 30 minutes of Titans news, don't turn it off because I spend 10 minutes or five minutes talking about some other more niche sport. That really grinds my gears. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, because, again, we we both, you know, we had Dr. Swan as one of our professors there at, at UT and everything. And he always talked about the goal, just like anything, just like education any business you get into is to make money. And that's, I think the frustrating thing is because again, football moves the needle so much. I mean, I remember when Brett Favre was thinking of coming back like three different times. I mean, they make the, they made the joke on pardon the interruption so many times Rachel Nichols is just going to be out on the front lawn at Brett Favre's place, just waiting for the news. And it's like, I, I don't care if he's coming back, he's coming back. I don't need to sp- spend four hours about that or where Tim Tebow's going to go and be a backup quarterback. I know football, it moves the needle so much, but it's like you can add other things in there. That's why you have seasons in sports yeah. and, 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 the, and, and, and the, supposed to be a break. And, and the thing is, if people, because if people were actually sports fans, because my hypothesis is a lot of people like to say, oh, I love sports so much. They like football. And then, you know, the other, what, however many months a year it is, they're watching The Real Housewives or, you know, maybe they're like you and I and they're big wrestling fans. And that's fine. Be whatever you want to be into. But it just... If if the fan base had the appetite for it, you talk about the other stuff more. Yeah, but hey, that is going to be one of the advantages of ESPN getting back into hockey is sports fans will realize hockey exists again. Yeah, and so. that's that's great because again, I and I tried to do this a lot on this show and the different iterations of it is I just don't like dealing in hypotheticals Mm-mm. like. It's like, I don't care where LeBron James is going to end up. Just let me know when he signs a contract. You know, like I was not buying into all the the uh, the Tom Brady sweepstakes or what have you. I was like, when he decides where he's going to go, I will talk about it. Or, or yeah. you know, in, in my case, being an hour and a half south of Nashville and the obvious connections between Mike Vrabel, John Robinson, and the Titans and the Patriots organizations and the Titans needing a quarterback and having to make a decision. Okay. Do we re-sign Ryan Tannehill? Do we draft somebody? Do we do this, do that? We're going to pay a quarterback 20, $25 million. Who are we going to pay like that? Like I can do that, but I'm with you. Like the whole sitting there waiting and like, you know, trying to decode like messages from Instagram and what that means in cryptic stuff. And Tom tweeted all this random stuff and it turns out it's just an ad for Hulu. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not into that. It's, it's interesting though. Cause it, in my line of work, it's a blessing and it's kind of a curse. Oh, I yeah. can talk Titans 365 days a year. I can talk Vols 365 days a year and rarely a day goes by that. There's not some news. That is related to that. I mean, oh. heck, even today, I played all 30 minutes of Eddie George's press conference 
at TSU. Why is that relevant? Because Eddie George had his number retired and is one of the greatest Titans of all time. You know, yep. if it, no offense, if Michael Shibley was the new coach of Tennessee State University, I would be interested in it, but my audience wouldn't. So no, that's, would, not at a, all. It, it's a um, it, it's a it's a blessing and a curse because again, it's real easy when there's not a lot of news going on. Okay, can I find something Titans related that I think plausibly I can turn into a twelve minute topic? But you know, I also have to remind myself, hey, you think what's going on with the Predators day to day is really interesting? Talk about that once or twice a week. Yeah. Talk about we you know got an MLS club in Nashville next last year. That looks it was awesome. kind of janky with COVID. Um, and they're going to a full season this year, once a week. Or God forbid, the thing I do that I only can do on my show because I have sold a sponsorship for it. I can talk NASCAR for 10 minutes a week. And if I do it any more than that, people are probably tuning out. And if I didn't have a sponsor for it, I couldn't do it at all. Yeah. So that does, I mean, again, it's a, it's, it, it's a blessing and a curse trying to be uh, relevant. I just wish we had, I'm not mad at the media for doing it. Cause I understand the process behind it. Cause I'm yeah. a part of that quote unquote media. I wish we had better, more rounded sports fans like you and I, where, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do an hour on Tennessee baseball, but I wish there was more interest in baseball in general and college baseball. There was more interest in Major League Baseball outside of your particular team. There was more interest in hockey that we could talk about. Like honestly, I don't know the last time in my market that I have talked about the NBA because I think pretty much unless uh, unless a VFL does something really awesome, it's completely irrelevant. Yeah, I think your best chance, really, unless something weird happens, and we'll talk about something happening uh, pretty soon here, but like Tobias Harris playing for the Philadelphia 76ers, if the Sixers get to the finals, they'll talk about that because Tobias is on the 76ers. That'd be about it. Yeah, like what would happen with it? Like, you know, there's some markets even, you know, there's nothing else to talk about, quote unquote, other than, in Major League Baseball, or you're waiting for training camp to start in in Knoxville, and they may break down game by game of the finals. I don't even know if, if people around here where I'm at like, care about that, and that's a shame because the whole goal is to get to the pinnacle of your sport, and then it just seems like the NBA is just so irrelevant these days. And and the numbers show it. It's not a it, it, it's not a oh well, Will's not interested, so Will doesn't want to watch it like. Yep. The, they're getting in that Major League Baseball territory where every broadcast that they do is consistently becoming the new uh, low bar uh, to clear. And that's a, that's a shame because there are some phenomenal athletes in the NBA. And I think there are probably more people today, if I open up the phone lines and, and we did a discussion on uh, the last dance, more people would want to talk about that than it, you know the, the scores from the NBA last night. Yeah. Yeah, it was – Especially because basketball was completely, it seems like so much now, basketball, especially in the NBA, is so similar. It's been weird watching it when I, when I keep an eye on it. And it's like, these teams all look and play the same so much. Yes, yep. there are some subtle differences, but not really. But you go back to the Jordan era and you've got just completely different ideas of how to play basketball. And it it's amazing. And the last dance was incredible. Boy, it filled in some time on doing the last iteration of this podcast to talk about during COVID. That was that was a lot of it. So hopefully, again, people realize these other sports are out there and they're magical. I mean, the big thing, too, was and I know it was a gimmick, but having that dirt race they had at Bristol. Yes. I, even for me, I was like, OK, I'm not a big NASCAR guy. But I was like, okay, dirt track. That looks pretty awesome. I'm going to check that out. So, yeah, it, it, I think it ended up being uh, well received. And they're, see, they're going to do that again next year. So, you're going to have a dirt race next year. And, and, you know, maybe Mother Nature cooperates better. You, you don't have to have the race during the day, not to get bogged down on the technicalities of NASCAR. Dirt in the sun dries out, makes more dust. That's not as good of a show for for the fans. It also doesn't the track conditions aren't as good. Uh, so maybe they can do that at night. Maybe they can figure out how to make a car, uh, you know, without spin, breaking the bank. That's specifically kind of built uh, for NASCAR to race on dirt. But again, 
that drew you, the casual fan, in. And so that's a great thing NASCAR is doing. I know there's always casual fans that tune in for the Indy 500 or the Daytona 500. Those niche sports uh, definitely, I think, have to think out of the box. How do I get the guy who's flipping by on Sunday afternoon uh, to pick me over turning on the PGA Tour and taking a nap? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. We have it. We like it. I mean, even now, of course, it's been so much on the NFL draft. Go back to football. And it's like, I mean, again, I'm interested in the draft. I like knowing where everybody's going, but I just don't like spending half of a sports center talking about where these where these guys are probably going to end up going. It just is. That's not fun to me. Show me highlights. Show me cricket. Show me an incredible cricket play from India or rugby from New Zealand. Something else besides just talking about hypotheticals. Even if it's even if it's twenty seconds, I challenge you in a sports center to try to give me twenty seconds of every game that was played last night in pro sports. Yeah, or they it used might to have to be that. ten seconds. I don't know. Yeah, give me give me all give me all the scores because I'm right there with you. You know. Um, I, again, I play the hit, so I, I have some uh, media connections and I can bring on people to talk Vols, and that's easier because I can ask about all the different sports when we're talking about Vols. Uh, but I try to have a t- one or two Titans guests a week. My show's only an hour long, so it's not yeah. like I got three or four hours to fill. Oh, of course. So I try to spread it out and, and not just hammer the same thing every day because I only have an hour. Yeah. But – how many t- how many ways am I supposed to ask you know my Titans expert? Okay, are the Titans going to take a pass rusher, a cornerback, or a wide receiver in the draft? Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So definitely more being a more rounded sports fan. I think I wish we you bring up Sports Center. I wish we could get back to that '90s era, early 2000s Sports Center, where even though it replayed six times uh, between uh, you know seven o'clock and one o'clock in the morning or, or in the early morning. Uh, when you had the day off from school, it didn't matter because you got to see all the highlights and you yeah. just wanted to hear Stuart Scott do the NBA highlight for the 14th time because it was that entertaining. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Stuart Scott so. and Rich Eisen and Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann and Charlie Steiner, all those guys. God, those were good times. I, I, I People much smarter than me, and I understand, you know, if you want to see MLB highlights, you can go to MLB Network. If if you want NFL highlights, you go to NFL Network, whatever for the league channels, and, and they have metrics. And oh, well, people can just go on, you know, Twitter and get highlights. Yeah, but I would still like to be able to tune in for an hour and get all the news that's actually relevant to me, instead of Sports Center being the sports version of E News. Yep. No, I agree completely this grind grinds my gears and like i'm not as mad at the media for having to follow what people want but number one i think the media over inflates their uh grasp of what people want and then also just think we kind of have lazy sports fans too agreed now one of the other things we talked about uh i talked about a little bit uh last week when i was on your show was of course they moved the all-star game out of atlanta we, we had talked about that, but now, of course, you have after the, the latest, which is sad for me to say, the latest shooting that happened up there in the uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota area up there in uh, Brooklyn Center, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the shooting of Dante Wright, and you have the, the, the Twins, uh, the Timberwolves, and the Wild, so all the big uh, sports uh, teams that are playing right now up there in Minnesota, I think the uh, the MLS team is also not going to be, they've postponed their games and everything due to, you know, the protests and everything else going on up there because we talked about again, sports and politics. And I talked about it on your show and I'm going to reiterate it here because people always talk about, Oh, I, you know, try and get away from the politics. It's like ever since Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, politics has been in sports. I mean, politics has been in sports since uh, before then. If you, if you go back and, and I read this, and I don't even know how to go back and find it other than just to find a list of all the articles uh, that David Ubbin has written from The Athletic. And he might have not even written this. He might have just sh- shared it on Twitter. But like, if you just go back and even research amateurism, oh yeah, like that doesn't even get into race politics. That gets into class politics. And amateurism was 
basically to boil it down is the elites in British society did want to compete against the blue collar working class of British society. Oh yeah. Uh, they wanted to, have, you know, sport sports were leisure for the elite. And so that's where amateurism comes from. And that's why we still don't pay college athletes. So just think yep. about how faulty of a system that is. I mean, you so look, politics yeah. have always been in sport. Yeah. You, I mean, you look at the different soccer programs in England, they, they were created because a group wanted to form their team to respond to the other team in the area. I mean, you have you look at in in Italy, you've got like AC Milan wanted pretty much just Italian players. And then the other team in Milan, Inter Milan, was totally fine with having players come from outside of Italy. And play. Mm-hmm. Or, of course, you've got up in. <laughs> Up in uh, up in the Scottish Premier League, you've got the Rangers and Celtic FC. You've got the Protestants and the and the and the Catholic teams. Yeah, all, all these sports back in the day all started as social clubs. And yep. if you know anything about social clubs, you know that they're gonna you know their uh, social interaction, like minded, like tight people are gonna group together. And some of that's by preference and some of that's uh, by force, for lack of a better term, yep. uh, without getting too deep into that. Right. So uh, politics have always been in sports. They will always be in sports. And I, for one, don't have a problem with it. Yep. If if you're what it comes down to, if you're jealous that LeBron James has a bigger platform than you, that's on you. And it's OK if you. If, 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 LeBron James is entitled to his opinion, and I'm going to agree. Just using LeBron as an example, uh, he's entitled to his opinion. I'm not going to agree with all his opinions, but I'm not also going to get mad and tell him to shut up and dribble because I don't agree uh, with some of his opinions on the world. He's yeah. entitled to that, and, he- and he's entitled to use his platform. People like to talk how there aren't role models anymore in sports. Well, no, I would disagree. Like these young yep. black athletes using their platform to try to change things in the world that they see are wrong, that's a tremendous role model for the next generation. Absolutely. I mean, LeBron James is a world-traveling athlete. He's traveled around this world. He's seen a lot more than a lot of the people telling him to shut up and drivel have seen you know, outside of their bubble that they travel in. And you talk about, again, you go back to the, the, the black athletes and the shut up and dribble and so much of that so much of that stems from I mentioned Jackie Robinson earlier and they talk about this with baseball's unwritten rules and the bat flips and everything because Jackie Robinson pretty much to break the first unwritten rule which was to never sign a black baseball player was he had to be stoic he had to not get emotional no matter what words were shouted at him and what things were done to him and like every player that came after him can't be Jackie Robinson. And that's where so much of that comes from. And again, you look at the history of everything and that's the thing you need to take more than five seconds to realize that this is not the first time these things have happened. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Smith and Carlos there at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico, raising the black gloved fists in protest. Mm -hmm. You look at again, the Super Bowl being moved from Arizona because they wouldn't, the state of Arizona refused uh the voters did not want martin luther king jr day to be a paid holiday they've been there you even look at the braves when they moved from milwaukee which i was kind of hoping they were going to have the uh the all-star game if they're moving it from atlanta i was hoping they were going to put it in milwaukee because they talked about celebrating hank aaron's life as part of Mm -hmm. it he played forever in milwaukee my mom i need to get my mom on this show to talk about actually being in the stands when hank aaron was playing in milwaukee uh but you, you talk about even when the Braves moved down here, they had to make a d- deal with Atlanta for Atlanta to get them. Atlanta had to say, we are not going to segregate these stands. Yeah, like, so- that was in the contract. So you talk about race and politics and sports. It's always there. So it, it, it's, it's always there. And I, I think folks need to ask themselves why does that person's differing opinion bother you so much? And, and why do you want to silence them instead of having a, a conversation 
and trying to come to a middle ground because that that's when we get stuff done, right? Like that's in theory why our political system is set up the way it is is so that compromise has to happen. And I think compromise is a good thing. You know, it's kind of like uh, in the Olympics, they drop the high score and the low score and you get the average. Yep. Like good, good things usually come uh, from, from compromise. So yeah. uh, people would sit down and have a conversation and maybe you have to agree to disagree, but I guarantee you, if you have a conversation with people, you will understand where they are coming from and you will understand that they are more like you than unlike you. We have yeah. more in common than we have uh, not in common period. Exactly. That's the whole thing. I mean, again, it can't, everything can't be a zero sum game. You can't just have one, a winner and a loser. You you can't do that and just l- survive in this world. Yeah, so. Absolutely not. So before, um, before we talk about the, the sports moment and everything, uh, real quick, WrestleMania of course happened. We're big wrestling guys. Uh, again, the highlight of my WrestleMania was again Bianca Belair, Austin East graduate here from Knoxville, was an All American All Conference uh, here for Tennessee track with the Lady Vols, beating Sasha Banks, who I also love. Two black women highlighting main eventing WrestleMania uh, on the on the first night of the show, which was amazing. And Bianca Belair winning the championship was just an amazing, wonderful moment. Yeah, that was the, the, so. Full disclosure. Uh, I am a wrestling fan, love uh, the sport. I find the business of it to be absolutely fascinating. Oh, it is. You know, because it's still got its car, the, the carny elements still come out in it. Um, I am not someone who views a lot of WWE programming. I, I did back in the day, especially when I was in college, and Shibley and I would even get together and, and watch pay per views either at a friend's house somewhere, go out to a bar and watch it or whatever. Uh, then when I moved down to Louisiana, just kind of got busy and, and fell out of the habit of watching wrestling and kind of became a lapsed wrestling fan. And then on top of that, all my buddies who were still watching it were like, yeah, you're not missing anything anyway. Yeah. Because uh, the product wasn't that great. I got back into wrestling when AEW launched, and I'm like, okay, well, this is a new company. It's a clean slate. Let's get back into watching this. And that two, three hours that I put into AEW in a given week, uh, you know, watching watching uh, Dynamite, keeping up with being the elite, maybe watching a match or two from Dark if I got some time to kill. Like, that's that gets my wrestling fix taken care of. So I don't consume a lot of WWE programming because I just kind of became a lapsed fan. And then different things that uh, the company's done and Vince McMahon's take on things have really soured me on him, so... I don't watch a lot of WWE product. I'll maybe see a clip or a promo or something that somebody will share with me on social media. And that's about it. That said, bravo to Bianca Belair, uh, the uh, VFL becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion. And oh my goodness, that hair whip was amazing. Oh, that was great. You could see the welt on Sasha Banks's side after all of it. That was that, amazing. That, that spot was as good, and Shibley knows what I'm talking about. Uh, it actually happened uh, just down the road from me in Huntsville, Alabama, when MJF uh, had the bit with Cody where he gave him the lashes. For oh, yeah. It was one of the stipulations for Cody to get the match with MJF. Yep. No, that, that, was, insane. Yep. that was insane. That was as good a spot uh, as that. And, and you know, uh, again, congratulations to her for getting that WrestleMania moment. And I think a transcendent moment to have uh, two black women headline a night at WrestleMania. I'm glad they were able to pull off the event in Tampa. I'm glad that uh, even though it was limited to 25,000 people, which is still a lot of people in the age of COVID, but that we're starting to get back more to normal and they survived the weather, although there was a slight delay and, um, you know, I don't want the uh, WWE to fail. It's just I am not devoting multiple nights a week yep. to watching wrestling yeah. anymore. And I can get my my fix for the business and enjoy watching what they're doing uh, in AEW. And so I'm just not a big WWE guy anymore. But uh, I, I enjoy when there are moments uh, like that that are good for the sport as a whole. 
Yeah, I've definitely moved more toward AEW. I keep an eye on the rest of the stuff with the WWE. I am so happy that the WWE Network moved to Peacock because since I already have uh, Xfinity, hashtag not a sponsor, uh, that they were able to, uh, Peacock's included, so I don't have to pay for the WWE Network anymore, even though because of some of the dumb stuff Vince McMahon has done, which I've talked about on other episodes of this podcast, uh, I stopped paying for the WWE Network anyway, except to watch the Royal Rumble, and that was about it. So, but that was good. And Roman Reigns, my goodness, what a dominating win over Edge and Daniel Bryan, which was also incredible because you had three men in that main event on night two that all had either retired from wrestling or might have had to because Edge retired because of a bad neck. Yep. Daniel Bryan retired because of a bad neck. And then Roman Reigns, his leukemia came back for crying out loud. So I, that was a really cool moment, too. I am. That, that's another thing that I think is a, a great moment. I have enjoyed the resurgence of Roman Reigns because oh, I really Roman honestly Reigns. thought. Yeah. That, yeah. When he turned his heel turn. Um, I, I really honestly thought, man, that's so unfortunate. The WWE's wasted another really good talent, you know, because I was still watching the WWE when the shield made their debut. And all three of those guys, say what you will about Seth Rollins. I know people don't like the character all the time. Uh, people didn't like Roman Reigns, but they turned him heel. Uh, John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, escaped to AEW where he has more creative liberty. And, you know, he's one of the top guys in, the pro in, in, in that company. I'm glad all those guys are having success as a childhood cancer survivor. It also makes me really happy that Roman Reigns kicked cancer's butt. Oh, yeah. So uh, for him to be at the top of the sport, having battled leukemia multiple times, uh, that that's awesome. That makes me happy. That's incredible. Going back to Bianca Belair real quick. I got to call out our local news or not even the local news. I got to call out the commenters. I don't even know why I should have learned my lesson through COVID yeah, no, just and, stay out of that. and the election. But apparently to me, it's like sour milk. You know, it's going to be bad, but you just got to take a sniff. Because all the local news affiliates here in Knoxville posted, hey, Austin East and Tennessee alum uh, Bianca Belair wins, you know, in the main event at WrestleMania. And, of course, you have the usual ass clowns go on there and talk about, well, how do you win something that's fake? And I just, you know, it's like you see this picture of Bianca Belair military pressing Sasha Banks walking up the ring steps and throwing her into the ring. It's like, yes. I guarantee you 99% of those commenters can't do that. I don't like to call re never call wrestling fake. It's okay that it's scripted. It's scripted sports yeah. entertainment. Just like everything a, else on television, it's yeah. scripted. It It is a sports-based soap opera. And yeah. if you can't understand that and you can't understand that, like the real housewives, and I'm just you know using that. That's yeah. one of my wife's guilty pleasures. Of and course. I don't even care. I know what's going on with the real housewives of Beverly Hills or whatever city they're in because, you know, if the wife's going to watch a bazillion sports games with me, I will watch her trash reality television with I, her. I do the same uh, thing. So, yeah. Or you don't think they manipulate what happens like on Chopped on the Food Network, like maybe not the results, but like they put them in a situation that they know is going to create drama. Oh, yeah. Duh. That's the whole point. That's yeah. what they're doing on wrestling. So uh, it, it's not faked. It, it's predetermined. And still, to me, I look at it, how is that any different than, okay, so Sasha, or whether it's Sasha Banks or Bianca Belair or whoever is holding the championship in whatever division or league you want to talk about that is a career accomplishment to them that is no different than although this wouldn't happen but it would be cool if robert downey jr was so good in or as uh, tony stark in iron man that they gave him an academy award that's not any different tony St or, or robert downey jr is not actually iron man but if he's really good in it, he can win an award for it. Mm -hmm. Wrestling's the exact same thing. Yep. All that is is the company saying, hey, here's a reward for all your hard work. We think you're super talented and a superstar. And congratulations, we have now strapped a rocket to your backside and we just lit it on fire. Go. I've decided my new response when some of my uh, 
acquaintances and family members who still in 2021 will go up to me and tell me personally we they haven't gotten to do it because of covid that it's fake uh i'm just my new response now is i'm just gonna start sobbing just uncontrollably and make it just (laughs) as uncomfortable for them as possible just tears and snot just coming down my face like a five-year-old with a skin knee just gonna do that too i mean you could you could tell me it's dumb yeah, my wife watches Dynamite with me. That started happening during the pandemic because I would come home on a Thursday or Friday afternoon, and we didn't have anything going on, so I get caught up on Dynamite. Now we just started watching it live, and you know she was working remotely from home, so she didn't care, but she still kind of knew what was going on. And you know she likes Orange Cassidy and thinks Cody looks better with dark hair, so she's pushing for a Cody heel turn. Um, she'll tell me it's stupid. But, like, it's not, like, to insult me or my intelligence or anything. And I'll be right there with her and say, yeah, this segment they just did right here, that was dumb, too. But, you know, it, like, you know, she, she she's not insult, you know, she's not insulting the, the performers for, yeah. you know, their skill. Uh, bad creative, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. You can, tell me, you can tell me it's stupid. I agree. There's a lot in wrestling oh, yeah. that's stupid. That's kind of part of what's enjoyable about it. I mean, the yeah. the 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 best friends and and Miro and Kip Sabian had a, a fake street fight in a fake arcade a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Like that it was stupid, but it was fantastic at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Explaining these things to to my wife as well are always entertaining. She gives me that look and I'm like, yeah, I know, but you know, I I watch, you know, plenty of other things with you. So, you know, it it, it balance it's a balance. It's a wonderful act, uh, and we love it. Every second of it. Um, well, before you get out of here, I know I asked you to talk about like a great s- personal like sports moment. I always want to have our guests like end with the, just a favorite moment they had of playing sports or watching sports. Uh, so I wanted to hear uh, what yours is. So I got three and I can do this real quick because I don't have any great uh, sports accomplishments on the field uh, by junior high football team. Won a conference championship, but I was like the fifth string wide receiver in seventh grade. So, you know, of course. I stood on the sideline in my uniform and cheered. Um, so as a fan overall, my greatest sports uh, moment being a Saints fan uh, was hell freezing over uh, and them actually winning the Super Bowl. And of course, that great ambush onside kick to uh, start the second half. I enjoy that more even more than Tracy Porter picking off uh, Peyton Manning, though that was pretty cool too. <laughs> um, let's see. As an in-person moment, it's a tie. Uh, my first SEC game as a as a UT uh, student was against Georgia, and Tennessee beat the brakes off of Georgia, and I was like on like row 10 in the student section. Um, Tennessee beating the brakes off of Georgia with Jonathan Crompton when Lane Kiffin was there that year. That was the first uh, game I ever covered uh, in the media. So that was pretty cool too. And then, you know, getting to call a couple of, uh, state, uh, sectional, uh, state tournament playoff games, uh, professionally was a nice accomplishment, even on the high school level. It's pretty cool. Cause you know, not a lot of people get to do that. So. Well, those are just awesome. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was live, uh, for the stumble and fumble against Arkansas, so I was there in person for that one. That one's always a great moment uh, for me. And of course, the miracle at South Bend, which I went into great lengths of describing. And I'm sure I will talk about that many more times on this fine uh, podcast. Wilk, where can everybody find you uh, when you're not doing this awesome podcast with me? I'm on Twitter at RabWill. It's my name in reverse, R-A-B-B, uh, Will, W-I-L-L. I don't have creative uh twitter handles anymore i just wanted to be short and sweet and to the point uh, off the bench monday through friday uh 11 a.m central time 11 to noon central time on wcdt radio go to wctradio.com look us up on tune in you could also go on the podcast platform of your choice so whatever you're listening to this podcast on right now when you get done search wct radio and subscribe and the station has a whole podcast feed we post all the stuff we do at the uh the, the station but off the bench gets uh, posted there every day and you can check that out so uh if you want to hear more of uh, my opinions on the uh, sports world uh, as the tagline is when you get this is what happens when you give an opinionated sports fan a microphone there you go 
All right. Well, that sounds awesome. And of course, everybody, you can find me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. Check out the Man in the Arena on Facebook and on Instagram, where I post updates and pictures and all those fun things uh, when I can. Uh, so check all that out. And of course, this podcast, thank you for listening. And of course, give us those five star reviews uh, that helps get it out into the ether even more. Uh, so check out mine, uh, check out Sagas and Shenanigans, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that I do with Mrs. Shibbles and a bunch of other guys who have some other great podcasts uh, here in and around Knoxville. So, Will, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again down the, the road. We'd just do a whole show one day just talking about great UT memories. Oh, we should definitely do that. Uh, but again, for Will and myself, too sweet. Love you. See you next time.